0: Welcome to Beyond Better, a podcast that explores a simple but profound idea. We all deserve to live lives we love, and that includes our work lives too. I'm Stacey Ennis, an author and longtime location-independent entrepreneur living in Portugal with my family of four. Join me as I talk business, location independence, writing, travel, and so much more all focused on building a life that is beyond better welcome everybody i am so pleased this week to get to introduce you to lindsay weigel Lindsay is a partner at Blue Water Advisory, where she works on all sorts of things related to people and leadership. She has a passion for human resources and organizational development. You will find her on any given day in a coaching call with clients or leading a training program. She is very good at what she does. And we're not really going to be talking about her work today. We're going to be talking about her journey to authorhood, and I i don't know about you, but I love hearing people's stories, and I like to hear their stories when they are in the thick of it, when they are in the process of creation, or they're very, very um, recently, they've very recently been through the process of creation, because we forget so much when we're many months or many years removed from that big, hard thing. Well, I talked to Lindsay toward the end of last year. That's when we recorded this interview. And she was very much in the thick of the very hard thing. And it's just so cool to get to record that experience with her, to document the experience of writing and finishing her book. So if you have ever dreamed of writing a book or you are a purpose-driven entrepreneur or leader or person who imagines making a big impact on the world, maybe there's something that you want to do that's really bigger than yourself and you've thought maybe a book would be a way to take a step further in that direction, I think this interview is going to be really inspiring for you. Lindsay's new book, Enough Already, is really about her personal journey from a breakdown to a breakthrough and some of the things that she learned along the way. I'm so excited for you to get to hear about her journey of writing the book and her her journey of really taking that leap, taking that chance, going for this thing that was tugging at her heart. It's an inspiring story, both her personal story and her book story, and I hope you enjoy this interview with Lindsay Weigel. Welcome, Lindsay. I'm so excited to get to have a conversation with you today all about the book that you're working on. Thanks. I'm so excited to be with you, Stacey. Well, why don't you start by telling our viewers, our listeners, a little bit about your backstory and what led you into what you do today. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that too and into writing the book that you're working on.
1: Absolutely. So I am originally from Detroit, Michigan. Um, I lived my first 30 or so years there and a proud Michigander. Um, I'm in Maryland now. I've been here for about a decade. so, So both places feel like home and places that I love. Um, I spent about a decade working for Marriott International, and I was everything from an admin to an event manager to a sales manager. Um, So I I learned a lot about business and people and how to uh, lead through influence, not lead through authority. And so I really spent a lot of time developing and sort of crafting um, my connection with people, I guess you could say. And then I spent a little bit of time doing some other... In, in other roles, I worked for an association management company, I spent some time in recruiting. Um, but I'm thrilled to be able to say that uh, that six years ago, I found my forever home in my forever career. Um, so I work in professional sort of professional development. So uh, I facilitate, I train, and I speak about leadership and communication really helping people love to do the work they do as much as I love the work that I do. I feel very fortunate and very blessed to be able to get to wake up every morning and do the things that I love. Um, And so our our goal at Blue Water uh, Advisory is to be able to help people love their job as much as we love ours and to be able to help create cultures and environments within organizations that people like to do their work.
0: I think it's such a gift to actually enjoy your work. And I, as somebody who enjoys her work, um, I also, I hadn't really thought about that as a professional development goal, but the way that you articulated that is so beautiful because everybody deserves to have that in their in their day-to-day life. You spend so much of your time working.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's, that's what we hope to do because we do feel very blessed and very fortunate um, to be able, I mean, it's been seven years since the last time I woke up on a Sunday night and thought, uh, or, you know, went to bed on a Sunday night and thought, oh, tomorrow's Monday. Like, to be able to lo- love Monday mornings is a real gift. So um, I feel very, very fortunate.
0: So we met through Nonfiction Book School, my program for aspiring authors, future authors. And I'd love to hear about the book that you're working on, and then we can talk more about your experience writing your book in the program and really on your journey to authorhood.
1: Absolutely. So about three years ago, um, just to get to the core of what's going on in my book, I I had a nervous breakdown, pretty much. And I, um, I hit a point where I really just had too much on my plate. I am a type A personality, sort of overachiever, perfectionist, and had spent the first 36 or 37 years of my life, really working on being as perfect as I, as I could. Right. And really thought that that's, if I could just get to that place that everything would feel good and I would feel confident and that I would be, I would feel settled in my life. I could just reach that level of like, of having everything under control. And, um, It turns out there is a capacity to how much you can have on your plate, (laughs) which I had not taken into consideration and, and basically was just, was, was stressed out, was feeling frantic all the time and hit a point where I just, it was, I, I hit my capacity limit and life, uh, life slowed me down pretty much instantly. And so I spent the next two and a half or three years sort of walking through this journey of how to unravel all of those perfectionist tapes, how to unravel the mom guilt how to unravel this need for sort of external validation. And as I walked through this path, I really realized that it really came from this lack of feeling like I was enough. I had what I call my enoughness void. And that I was looking for all of these external factors to make me feel like I was enough. Like if I could hit all these markers, fill all these test tubes of perfection and accomplishment that I would then feel whole and I would then feel like I was enough. And what my, what my breakdown really taught me was that you can't get enoughness externally. You can get enoughness from within. And so really, my book is, is really about the journey of how I, how I discovered that. So it sort of starts with my, with my nervous breakdown. Um, and then, but then the, but most of the book is about the journey of figuring out how to fill my own enoughness tank. Um, and the lessons I learned along the way and what things helped me help me realize um, that you have to be enough for yourself um, in order to be able to take care of anybody else or to really find happiness. So that's what my book is really about. I hadn't I hadn't planned on writing a book about it. I sort of went through this experience and it wasn't, wasn't something that I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be a book. Um, But I was getting out of the shower one day um, where I think all good ideas come from, right? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) I got out of the shower one day and the title hit me and the title is Enough Already, um, which is both a play on realizing that I was enough, right, already as I was, um, but also that I had had enough already of like living the life the way I was living it frantic feeling always out of control always like I was in a tornado and trying to do it all and be it all. Um, and so sort of the the first two thirds of the book sort of just arrived. Um, I got out of the shower and I was like, this has to be written and sort of my fingers hit the keyboard and I spent a few months just writing what came out of me. Um, and then I got to that point and there was nothing more there, but the book wasn't done. <laughs> and so that's when thankfully uh, the universe aligned and you were, um, you were advertising non-fiction, nonfiction book school and we have a few common contacts, I'd never met you before. Um, although in the training that we do, we use um, growing influence in our mm. I knew of you at, at a high level, at a professional level, um, but I did not actually know you. And so, but a few of our, our mutual contacts had been promoting nonfiction book school. And I thought, oh my gosh, well, if you know, if Stacy Ennis is having a nonfiction book school, like if anybody can get me the last third of my book, like I'm, I'm sure Stacy can. So mm-hmm. that's when I reached out to you and we started um, figuring out if, even though I'd written sort of two thirds, if it was still the right fit for me. And I'm so, so, so glad I did and that it was.
0: So tell me a little bit about that um, that point where you were struggling to get the last third written. I find that such a common experience in in aspiring, in the journey of, of authorhood for aspiring authors. And I'm curious what you tried before joining the program or what, what maybe methods or strategies you had used to try to figure out what the last third was, or were you just feeling so stuck and confused that you just kind of put it away? What, what was that like?
1: I did a lot of editing and re-editing and re-editing of the first two thirds, right? So I wanted to keep making forward progress, but I just really, it was a struggle because like I said, I, I didn't, you know, like the, the methods I've learned of book writing now through nonfiction book school, I recognize what I could have done, but that's not how I wrote the first two thirds. The first two thirds just sort of like arrived into the world, and so when the last third wasn't arriving, I didn't know what to do, and so I really just was like, okay, well, I'm gonna get my my first two thirds really, really solid, and hope the last third arrives. I like I didn't I didn't really have a plan. I didn't know how to get there, and I would I would try to write a little bit, but the last third is really about sort of the arrival of okay, now that you're here, right? What does it look like now that you're here? And it was it was. It was easy to tell the stories of demise and struggle and big aha moments. But after sort of I had that big aha about the, the enoughness void and, and the steps I was able to take after that, the rest have really been so subtle, right? It's it's sort of one morning waking up and real life, realizing that that mom guilt doesn't have the same weight or to be able to, you know, easily get up and decide, like, I'm gonna work on, I'm, I'm gonna prioritize self-care this morning without the guilt of weighing, but well, maybe I should be working or maybe I should be spending more time with my kids, like that that constant tape and that constant churn that, that existed in my head before. So it wasn't this big one morning I woke up and this was, not, and now this no longer exists. It was, it was more like, when was the last time I felt that way? Right? And so it was much more subtle moments in the, the last third of my journey than it was in the first two thirds, and I think that that was that was part of my struggle was 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 having to do some soul searching to find out when were those subtle shifts, um, in a way that wasn't quite as obvious with the first two thirds. I didn't really have a plan. So, I'm really glad that
0: you, you had nonfiction book school when you did. <laughs> oh, it was it just feels like it was a perfect timing, right, for you to be able to come in and, and finish this book. So I loved watching you go through the program, especially since you were very active in the Facebook group and you would post pictures and share where you were at. You're still doing it at the at the time of this recording, and I, I love I've loved watching your journey. I'd be I'd love for you to share your how you kind of applied the process to be able to uncover and then be able to write that last third of your book. So maybe you can give our viewers, listeners, a bit of insight into the process that we walked through. And you had to do some things to apply it to your particular project because part of what I try to do is teach the process and then uh, give people what they need to be able to adjust, tweak to their particular needs for their book. And since you already had a good chunk of it written, I'd love to hear how you took the lessons that we walked through, the trainings and what you actually did on your own with sticky notes and you know all of those things to get to outlining that last third and then to get to the milestone that you're at today, which I think is over 50,000 words, is that right? 50, yeah. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> Very exciting. So was, walk me through that.
1: Yeah, I, I was really, I, my goal was I in nonfiction book school, I learned that in order for a book to be in the airport, it has to be 50,000 words, right? Um, And so while I never had a a goal number to reach, I was just gonna write the book that needed to be written. Um, Once I was at like 35, I was like, oh man, I mean, you're going to write a book. You might as well give it <laughs> to be in an airport, right? Um, so I got to, I think, like 50,007 words. Before, and I was like, okay, I'm going to start editing. And I was really afraid that I was going to lose that 50,000 mark. But what I found is as I go back and edit, I'm actually adding more. So I'm at like 51,200 as of this morning or something. So it's been interesting. I thought I would lose a bunch, but I'm actually gaining more than I had uh, had planned on. So, um, But it is, it is a great question because the first week or two of... Um, of nonfiction book school, I think I was really struggling because it's a lot about creativity and imagine what it could be. And I, as a um, as a former, in, in disc speak, as a former high C, right? A person who likes rules and boundaries and structure and tell me what to do and I will do it. Um, it didn't apply to my process because I'd already done all those things and it, it almost was making it cloudier for me. So I really was struggling in the beginning to figure out how do I make this work for me? And then what I realized was that I didn't need to apply to the whole book, I needed to apply the process to the last third of the book. Um, and so I was able to really walk through the process, the outlining and the development through simply looking at the last third of the book um, and really helping me hone in on what it is that I wanted the last third to say. Um, which was a much more difficult process for me because, again, the first two thirds just sort of arrived. And I I feel like I was a vehicle for the words, much less a designer of them. And so to design the words in the last third was a much tougher process. So having that structure was incredibly helpful for me to really hone in on what do I want to say and what what points do I need to connect to for the reader. Um, and honestly, I think one of the biggest parts was I had chosen one of the package that got me the one-on-one with you, sort of the 30-minute connector, and um, and that was really where you helped me remember the story part that I needed to be telling, because the whole first two-thirds of the book is really just storytelling about here's what happened, and here's what I learned, and here's what happened, and here's what I learned. Um, and I I hadn't brought that piece back to the last third of the book. I was more like, here's where I'm at, and it felt very mechanical and very clunky. And so that one-on-one really helped me reframe what I needed to do in the last third to, to bring it home. And I think I actually, I think you can still see here, I still have my, um,
0: oh, love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> on the back of my wall to remind me sort of where it's come from and what's going on. So I'm very, very pleased um, to have been able to go through the process to help me really figure out how to find the last third, the voice of the last third of the book.
0: So Mm, I love that. So since you brought up the sticky notes on your wall behind you, um, can you share a bit more about that process and what we do in nonfiction book school and how you applied that to your book? Absolutely. So the sticky notes are all
1: about getting the big concepts of your book that you want to to hone in on, the big messages, connecting to the core of what it is that you're trying to say. So again, for me, it was sort of reverting back to, well, I've already said all those things. So when I focused on just the last third, it took a lot more soul searching to say, what do I want? What do I want this last third of the book to say? What is the message? So So we sort of started off big with big ideas and then work them down to sort of chapters of what those chapters should be about and really honing in on the specific details. So when you're done with your sticky notes, you basically have an outline of the book that you're ready to move forward with. So it was a really helpful process.
0: Mm -hmm. I think too, for your particular project, you needed to get into a a different way of working with your book than just being in the, the Word doc. And it's nice to have different options for how you can build an outline and different ways that you can engage in ideation. And I find that even, it's interesting because um, I've led very, you, you would consider them to be um, not like high creative groups, um, accountants, people in finance who actually are very, they're highly creative, but they haven't been given um, a structure of creativity, like a process of creativity to be able to build out something like a book, for example. And it's really cool to see how once people have you know more tangible, and uh just like tactile things to work with how that can really engage the brain in a totally different way and that's i find that with myself too if i get stuck you know i'm always working on a new book that's part of part of my business is is writing books and so whenever i get stuck i will often then take i'll take whatever i've been working on and i'll basically transfer it to sticky notes i'll put it up on my wall and i'll play with it and it just lets me see patterns and i'm curious you know in your book you had this the story that was coming together so beautifully. And then you had this other piece over here. What do you think it was that helped you kind of pull it all together, utilizing this outlining method? Was it that, what was that through line that you found in your book? We talk about a through line in our program being that kind of connecting theme throughout the whole book. What was that for you? And how did you find that through, through the processes that we walked through?
1: So, what was interesting was when I did the sticky note process, I did go back to the beginning of my book um, because I wanted to make sure, because we talked a lot about story arc, right, and what's going Mm. on. And since it was just a book I had written without real direction or knowing what I was doing, uh, I was interested to see if my book had a story arc. Um, And so I did used the sticky note process for the first two thirds of the book, capturing those, those big highlights um, mm-hmm. and found that I did have a story arc, which was really exciting. And that, I mean, there was some things I needed to shift a little bit, but overall, like I had been right sort of where I needed to be. And then it gave me a, that clear direction for where does the story need to go from here in a way that I think I hadn't seen before. So before it was just a telling of things, but then I saw that connectedness of the message that I was trying to get across, which is um, I think probably three main themes, which is the, the sinking into enoughness, right? Recognizing like you are enough just as you are. Um, but that you have to take care of yourself, um, as is sort of a second theme. And then the third, I think is really being comfortable owning your own space and just Hmm. recognizing that, that, um, you are, you are enough as you are. Um, but how to be more conscious about the tapes that you play to yourself and the things that you tell yourself and how you have much more control over that that process in the life you live than sometimes we give ourselves credit for so once i understood those sort of main themes running through the book um it really helped me finalize what the the, the last third should really focus on
0: hmm, i love that i love all those messages they are so powerful a lot of people when they're considering writing a book um tend to put it off sometimes for many years and I I believe that part of that is just not really fully understanding how to even get started and if they do get started not understanding how to continue so what happens a lot is people will open up a word doc they'll start writing maybe they get a few thousand words in and then they don't really know what to do Um, or uh, maybe they just think about or talk about this book a lot but they never actually even sit down and get started I think also a thing that keeps them from starting is just it feels like such a huge time commitment, and I I'm curious to hear from you. You know, for anybody who's considering starting the process of writing a book, what what they can expect uh, from that process. What are some words of encouragement you can give them? And then how can you also, how have you made space for this in your life? Because you are extraordinarily busy. As much as you have changed your ways and made more space in your life, you still have a very intense and demanding work schedule, and yet you've made space to write this book. So I'd love to hear a little bit of words of wisdom, what they can expect, and and also how it's worked for you. Well, I think you forget one
1: reason people don't write books, um, or at least it was a, the big, sort of the big stopper for me was, who am I to write a book, right? Mm, like, yes. Like, who, like, who am I to write a book? I'm like you know so that was my big thing was like who's like who's gonna read this book for me you know um so but because I think the calling was so deep it it was I was like I don't maybe this becomes, you know, a blog post somewhere or so it started off very small for me. And just I'm a big believer in sort of following what your gut tells you to do, right? Like, like trust in the universe and and walk the path that is in front of you. And it will sort of make sense later. And, you, and you'll figure out where where it's supposed to lead later, Um, but just to do the walking. So I guess my first piece of advice would be if you feel the calling to write a book, follow that feeling, right? And so so don't overthink it. Don't how am I gonna to get to such a 50,000 word count? Or don't, you know, how am I gonna publish this? Or who's gonna read it? Like like, removing some of those external blocks, I think is really helpful. And just to trust in the fact that if you feel like you have a book in you, or you feel like you want to write a book, attach yourself to that more than you tap, than you think through the how, the what, the when, the where, and the why.
0: Hmm. I
1: think would be the first piece. Um, and then, all right. And then what else did you ask me? <laughs>
0: Oh, I had just asked about you because I think, uh, like I said, one of the things that holds people back is that idea of not having time and just the commitment. And yet we just, even before recording, talked about your crazy last few months and yet you've still made time to write this book. And I'd love to just hear from you how you did that. What did you have to change or prioritize or what did you do to make that, to achieve this big goal? So once I
1: started writing it and I got a few thousand words in, I realized that it's really good. Like I sort of surprised myself. Like I think it's it's a really good book. And I think that the message is something that people need to hear um, because I don't think I'm the only person that experiences this, this external stress and internal turmoil. Like I, I, I know I'm not based on the people that I'm talking to. And so part of it was a desire to really actually write it to help other people. So part of it was, doesn't do any good sitting in a word doc in my computer it does much more good if i'm able to get it out into the world so it really shifted from i'm just writing this for myself to i'm writing this because it's going to help other people and that was a big um a big driving force to help me make the time and the space for it that was necessary in, so I, I do have very, I have two very little children, four and six, um, and I do have a crazy work schedule. Um, and so a lot of it honestly was writing after I went to bed. Now I know in nonfiction book school, you you say we should write in the morning because that's when more creativity comes. And I, I hear you and I think that is solid advice. Um, but in the beginning, that just wasn't, it, it wasn't an option for me, um, mm-hmm. what was going on in my world. And um, self-care is really important to me. So in the morning, it was really all about self-care, going for my walks or exercising in some way, because that was the foundation I absolutely had to have to keep my ship rowing, you know, in the, rowing in the right direction. Um, so in the evening just made more sense for me because I was so energized by the project. It was easy for me to write in the evening. So I would usually spend from 8, 15 until 10 um, writing pretty much every night, or at least probably three or four nights a week. Um, because you can't write a book about burning yourself out by burning yourself out so
0: i there fair. fair point yes
1: <laughs> I was very conscious of the fact that like this needed to be something that i did at a pace that worked for my life and didn't overwhelm my life um but again I don't, i'm not a writer for a living right so that's a very different um different world so that was i think i started off in the evening but this at this point i am getting up in the mornings to write um because i it is so quiet and peaceful and lovely and wonderful um i've been able to shift my workouts a little bit and my morning routine a little bit um because at night, I'm very tired now. (laughs) And so I go to bed very early, but that's so I can wake up earlier and write. Um, so that's, I think where I've probably made the biggest space, but I think the, the answer really is wherever it feels the best to write for you is where you should be writing. Um, because I think that I'm, I have a whole program called dream small that talks about doing what works for you to create sustainability and to create consistency and create real change. So, um, Putting ourselves in a box that doesn't fit us—I don't always think works. Um, so wherever, wherever feels like the right space for you to write, I think is was really, really helpful to me.
0: Mm, I love, I love that. I think what you're what you're doing, hopefully for people who are watching or listening, is just providing encouragement that even if your schedule looks different than maybe would be the ideal schedule to write a book, that you can still make space, and it's not it's not necessarily going to be a slog. Like you can feel energized and excited and eagerly look forward to working on your book when you have the process and you you know where you're going with it. Absolutely. Um, I would love to hear from you. I'm so curious, just having walked through this journey with you, what you feel are the major takeaways, core learning points, aha moments that you had walking through nonfiction book school?
1: so one i think was that other people were walking the same journey that i was so having the facebook page and seeing other people just like me right who aren't necessarily professional writers and who aren't planning on making a career out of this but have a message that they want to send into the world um gave me a sense of like oh like regular people do write books so i can write a book too so i think that that connectedness to another group because like, none of my friends are writing books. Like, I don't know other than you now, I don't know anyone that's written a book. So it was such a foreign concept to me that like people wrote books other than just authors. And, mm. so, um, and so to have that sense of community of people who were also trying to figure it out and who were dropping pictures in their Facebook page. And you know, every time I would see Mike in our group, I'm like, I'm gonna get more words than him. Like, right. So it was the competition. (laughs) I'm like, oh I'm like, I gotta keep up. Like I gotta make sure that I'm doing so having that, so one of the biggest things I think for me was having that connectedness to a group of people, because that's not a world I live in. Like I don't have author friends. Um so it was really helpful to watch other people experiencing that at the same time. And to help motivate me and encourage me and keep me accountable on the path um and honestly stacy i really think it was just your expertise that having mm. things where i was like i didn't know 50,000 words in you know an airport i didn't realize chapter breakdown i didn't realize all these great tools that are available to book writers i didn't realize that there were three different options for publishing your book so it was is really the fact that Sort of had a product, right? I have a book, which is a product that I didn't really know anything about, other than I just sort of like made it. And now, what do I do with it? Um, and so, having your expertise along the way for me was probably the most powerful. And I know that if I ever write another book, I certainly will start from the beginning with the process. Um, but for me, the most powerful things, especially now in the be, especially now, has been just having you as a resource and to help guide along the way and the connectedness with the other authors that are on the same journey, I think has just been the most powerful part to me in the process.
0: Mm, oh, thank you so much. It's been honestly such an honor to guide you and the entire cohort. The community of piece, you know, it's interesting when I first uh, start, launched and started this this program. I wasn't so sure how that would turn out. And I'm actually not a huge fan of uh, social media. And so I wasn't sure about having an online group. But I, the only reason I go on Facebook is to communicate with our group because it's just turned into this really cool community of smart, driven, big hearted, just people with a mission. I think that's the thing that unites everyone is that they have a bigger mission and purpose. It's not. Nobody in the group is writing a business card book. Every single person in the group is writing a book that they have a a bigger vision and purpose for. And that's been incredibly inspiring to me as I've just engaged with all of you. Um, Lindsay, I'd love to hear, I'll just ask you one more question uh, before I ask you to share where to find you. If somebody is considering enrolling in nonfiction book school, but they're not really sure, or maybe they're not even sure about you know, taking that big leap of writing their book, what advice would you have for an, an aspiring author in that spot?
1: So I think the answer is to do it um, because it is so it is so powerful and so helpful. So I think, Stacey, one thing that we spent a lot of time talking about before I signed up um, that I haven't mentioned here is, was my real concern about investing dollars into something that I wasn't sure I would you know i'm not trying to be a a best-selling author right so why should i invest money into something if i'm not sure i'm going to get that money back or if i'm going to make more than that right um so so as a high resourceful um as we say it was really hard for me to sort of take this leap and say i'm going to invest this money into something that i don't know if it's going to pay a return on that's not something that is that i usually do as a human um but for me, not only was the investing in the learning really important, the, the, the actual things that I gained from the experience was really important, but more so it was the process of investing in myself, I think taught me a lot. And the ability to say, this is something that I want to say, and this, and you know, I, I'm sure I could have found YouTube tutorials, or I'm sure I could have taken a $25 or $50 class somewhere online, but to take, um, to take a class that that um, that I invested in myself I invested in time It also made sure that I took those classes much more seriously right like I made sure I showed up to class and like that I was doing the homework because I had invested in this process um, and certainly a very reasonable um, investment but at the same time it was it was something that required me to really dedicate myself to the process because I had invested in myself so I think if there's anything I could say, it would, it would be do it because it's been such a rewarding experience for me as a not author, um, as a person who's never identified as an author or thought like I want to have a best-selling book, but now really has a vision of how this could be a thing and that it's really meaningful and can be really impactful. So I would say do it because it's a, such a cool journey and such a cool experience.
0: Oh, Lindsay, I got chills when you were talking about investing in yourself. Truly, I mean, I still have goosebumps. Because I I think that that's such a powerful thing that we do, just number one, as business owners, right, or as professionals, um, but also as women, just taking that step of really investing in our own success and in growth and learning. Um, So I'm honored that you did that with me. Lindsay, before we wrap up, just tell our viewers and listeners where they can learn more about you and where would they sign up or visit to be able to hear about your book when it comes out?
1: Absolutely. So uh, bluewateradvisory.com um, is the, the website for our business. And that's where, that's where all, all of my things are. I, 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 love Blue Water so much that, that we're sort of all, we're all tied together. So, um, so bluewateradvisory.com is where you'll find all the information that you need to about me. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, Lindsay Weigel and, um, and I have a, and, um, and on Facebook as well. So even though I don't love it like you, Stacey, <laughs> so, uh, so I do have a, a, a Facebook, uh, page, um, as well.
0: So those would be the places. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing. And it's just so good to get to connect with you too. Absolutely. I agree, Stacy. Thanks for having me. This podcast is produced by me, Stacey Ennis. Special thanks to Daniel Alexander for sound editing and Catherine Fishman for project support. These two make the show possible and I'm grateful. You can always access show notes, including any links mentioned in this episode at Stacey slash podcast. And you can connect with me at Stacey Ennis.com, on Instagram at Stacey Ennis, or on Facebook at Stacey Ennis Creative. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Here's to building lives that are beyond better.